Okay, just for my own brain, could you speak into the microphone one more time? Once more for Aaron's brain, this is me speaking into my mic. It works, bitches. We back. Oh, God. We're here. <laughs> Are you recording? Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I was like, I don't want to touch it. Like, I got it to work. I don't want to fuck this up. Love that. Yep. We're so cool. Huh. <sighs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Fick List. It is so strange. We are once again in the Fick List studios. Uh, I am across the table from Aaron. It's been a very long time. It's been... How long has it been since March 2020? <laughs> um, well, technically it was December 2019 for us. True, yeah, because we recorded forever. <laughs> yeah, and then the... Or no. Yeah, no. Yes. Yes. In terms of in-person. What a solid start we're getting off to. I friends. got confused in that. <laughs> yeah. So December 2019 would have been our last in-person recording session. And then we recorded all last season. And we as, were on schedule. So yeah. the holidays episode came out in during the holidays. Yeah. I mean, we recorded it like a week before it aired. But, <laughs> you know. <laughs> we went from one extreme to another. Um, but then, yeah. And then we recorded all of last season from our homes. Um, sure and did. now we are once again at my dining room table where everything began all those many years ago many now. years ago yeah i have fed alan she has tradition is restored yeah my first intake of vegetables in over a year we love that wow love that for us i uh picked up my csa share today because i've gone full cottagecore hippie um <laughs> and i got to, you know i went and picked up some some peppers and some onions and whatever and made a little dinner so here we are and we don't know how to start a podcast anymore. We're going to have to relearn this whole process. But you know what? I think everyone everyone's used to that. Yeah. I mean, we've never known what we were it's doing. It's par for the course. Yeah, correct. You know what's crazy? What? Season three. Season three! This is th- three seasons in? Woohoo! That's bonkers. It is. It's bonkers. Wow. I don't fully understand how we're still here. <laughs> I'm grateful for it. I know other people have been asking me when we were going to start season three. Hi, Evelyn. Um, <laughs> and uh, we just keep being like, soon, we're recording soon. And then we have, we're going to record last weekend. And then um, we didn't. And, then, <laughs> and now here we are. And then after me forgetting my, my freaking microphone uh-huh. cable and uh, us trying to set up two microphones on one garage band track. Several minutes of that, actually. We are here. Uh-huh. And we're, we're, we are queer. And we're going to tell you about some fan fiction. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the thick list, everybody. Uh, yep. And so in maintaining our structure that we implemented last season, we're doing one tag. Mm-hmm. And it's a general tag. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is that tag, Aaron? So before we do that, maybe we should explain to any new listeners what the fuck this is. <laughs> new listeners? <laughs> what is that? We, we might have acquired one new listener. Who knows? <laughs> So the Fick List is a podcast where me and Alan send each other fan fictions to read, review, and recap, and we do so in the spirit of authenticity and sincere appreciation for the thing. Like the goal here is not to like shit on anybody. Like you know all those other podcasts that are like fan fiction. It's so weird. Why would anyone? <laughs> no, we love fan fiction unapologetically. Have forever. 
and uh, we're here to, like, have a good time and, like, think critically about fanfiction. We don't necessarily just sit here and, like, you know, like, we don't go the hard the other direction. We try to think critically about it and talk about what makes it good and what makes a really fantastic fiction, like, so good. And we end up usually talking about queer media <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and we send each other fanfictions to read. So I sent Alan a, a story to read, and he sent me a story to read, and then we talk about them all. Um, we are also t- finally trying to incorporate <laughs> fan recommendations into our show with some semblance of uh, regularity. So you'll hear more of those later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's the fic list in a nutshell. Did I miss anything? I'm Alan. Oh yeah, I'm Aaron. <laughs> that's me. I yep. Mm-hmm. No, that was that was great. That was very Stellar. succinct. I loved it. Wonderful. Well, in that case, the tag that we chose to discuss for today and therefore chose fanfictions with this tag um is found family uh, would would you like to explain why elon uh because it's pride month bitches it's pride <laughs> fuck yeah we always go from christmas to pride that's the deal <laughs> that is the... and then we hibernate during yeah i mean that's basically what i do anyway like that's real um yeah Happy Pride, everybody. Yes. God, I hope we actually get, like, real outside of House Pride this year. If you're able to, get vaccinated, y'all. Yeah, seriously, please get vaccinated. The reason that we can come to you safely from across my dining room yeah, from across the t- my dining room table is that we are both vaccinated. Um, I am house, I am from part of the Pfizer family. And uh, Moderna gang over here. Yeah, he got Dolly Parton directed directly, uh, like pumped into his bloodstream. Yeah, she came over and she was very nice about it. <laughs> yeah, and she was like, "I'm here to stab you," <laughs> and we were like, "Wow, cool." Um, I did, you know, Dr. Fauci came over and you know, mm-hmm. gave me mine, so it worked out. Where was I going with that? Oh yeah, get vaccinated. That's why we can do this now because we're both vaccinated. So you should too if you're able to. We love we love vaccines. We yeah. like science. We also like masks. We, we like living. You know, we really do. <laughs> What a year it has been. Trust science. True. What a good podcast. This has been great. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's the end of it. <laughs> yeah, we're not I doing this anymore. hope you've all learned something. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So Pride. Found family. We were going to do found family for Pride this time last year, and then we decided it was too hard. <laughs> oh, that's right. I, do. I forgot all about that. I, if I remember correctly, I was like, Aaron, it's too hard to uh-huh. find something. Yep. And then you very kindly said, well, we'll just do Pride. Yep. And I was like, we'll just, whatever, it'll be fine. And then this year we were like, well, we can't do Pride. <laughs> so <laughs> as much guess, as we'd like to just be able to do it again. We got to pick some queer tags that aren't Pride. Right. And so uh, that's what we did. And it worked out. Yeah. And Fat so, Families, I feel, is just so, like, inherently queer. Like, there's oh, something yeah. about, like, you know, having to, because, so, you know, not everyone has um, families that are as understanding or accepting of uh, your identity and so you have to go out and form bonds uh, with other people and you know you have your own little family that way yeah there is nothing more queer than finding people who are like you even before you realize that you're queer we do this I don't know about you but like if I look back at my high school friends I'm like huh we all came out of the closet <laughs> eventually um we didn't know at the time but um even if like you are you know one of the one of the queer folks who has a like family who respects and like has not disowned you or anything like that there's something incredibly powerful about finding people who actually understand what you go through mm-hmm. as a queer person because it can be a very isolating experience especially if you don't fit into other molds like if you're somebody who is not sort of the like cis white 
queer <laughs> that like experiences attraction a very like in a nor like a quote unquote normal i say as an asexual person um you know who's not who you know if you don't fit that sort of like the other other privilege boxes mm-hmm. it is so important to like find your people mm-hmm. um who will uplift and support you and they actually get what it's like to an extent to like live your life agreed yeah, yeah. So found family. Found family. Queer magic. Love it. I love that. So do you want to start or do you want me to start? You can start talk, like talking about what I sent you. Yeah, that sounds good. Great. So uh, Alan sent me a good old Harry Potter fan fiction. <laughs> you know, um, uh, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I mean, after how many seasons have I been bashing you over the head with the magicians now? <laughs> it pretty much happened immediately after we started this podcast i fell into my magician's yeah (laughs) um so i'm really not allowed to sassafras you about harry potter but i'm going to anyway so the fic you sent me is called i could be wrong i could be ready by harry romper great name yep it was very (laughs) silly i just imagined harry in like the male romper yep yep Mm -hmm. um which i think would piss off jk rowling so i'm gonna do it harder (laughs) this just like blanket statement anytime we do harry potter stuff fuck jk rowling um, yes, absolutely. We engage with Harry Potter fandom because it means things to us, but that does not mean that we endorse or uh, support any of her transphobic, uh, racist bullshit views. So if if you do, this is not the podcast for you. Yep, well said. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, the summary of the fic you sent me. At first, Harry wonders if they've managed to destroy his vaults and are trying to tell him in the most oblique way possible. But when he turns the page, he realizes they found a vault. A vault in the name of Lily and James Potter. The parchment trembles a little in Harry's hand. He takes another gulp of wine. Harry Potter left Britain after the war and didn't look back. Ten years later, when Gringotts discovers a vault containing his parents' belongings, including their badly spell-damaged wedding rings, he's forced to face up to friends and family who've grown in ways he could never imagine, a wizarding London rebuilt beyond his expectations, and the anniversary of the Battle of Hogwarts. And if that wasn't enough, there was the entirely unforeseen problem of Draco Malfoy. Featuring pureblood wizarding traditions, <laughs> ancestral magic, open mic nights, marriage equality, a diner in Brooklyn, and the return of Fleamont Potter. Wow. Uh-huh. What a, what a summary. <laughs> it is a great summary. Um, it's a long summary. It's a lot. It is a lot of summary. It is a very accurate summary. Uh, yeah, That is sure. 100% the story you sent me. It's the story <laughs> I read. <laughs> yep. Correct. So, yeah, I mean, basically this story, I'm, so another thing that we're trying to do this year, and if I put it in audio, that we have to do it, is not go, like, word for word through the the fix that we've read, because... We're gonna try, y'all. Ooh, sometimes these just got too long before. (laughs) We did it too much. We were too detailed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But both of us are like that. It's true. With a capital L, capital T. (laughs) And a little TM at the end. Um, So... Basically, this fic opens with Harry living in New York. New York. Stop it. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and he's, like, living his, like, life. He left London after the Battle of Hogwarts. Like, a few months after, he basically was just like, I can't do this. Like, mm-hmm. there's too many expectations on me as, like, the chosen one, the boy who, like, ended the war. It's, like, I can't. I am traumatized. I gotta go. And Andromeda, like, basically connected him with these two in New York. I forget their names, and I did not write them down. I'm so sorry. Um, And he lives in this little apartment in New York. 
And my next note is, it opens on him op- like coming home from work, and he opens a bottle of wine, and it's a bottle of Syrah, and he hangs <laughs> up with his cat, and I was like, oh, this author is an adult. <laughs> Great. Got it. I was like, if you know what Syrah is, <laughs> you are at least 20, 28. <laughs> like, it's true. Least. I didn't know what Syrah was. It's a really nice red. <laughs> so I was like, cool. Um, and yeah, so he runs this like transition school program for american children both muggle-born and wizard-born who are displaying like senses of magic early but aren't old enough to go to i guess over and morning mm-hmm. um and it's basically a like <laughs> the only sort of thing i can say about it it's like co-ed kind of like it's <laughs> like if if you take like muggle-born and wizard-born and teach them both like math which is useful <laughs> and like really like basic gentle like magic control of their magic and that kind of thing right. so he it's, does that it's like integration it's like yeah, a yeah. like a head start <laughs> yeah it's like kindergarten yeah basically <laughs> but so yeah he's working on that whatever he gets his letter as the summary says and he ends up it's like you have to come back to london and it's this like ridiculous letter it's like twenty eight thousand pages long and it's like you need all of these proof of whatever and he's like i'm the fucking chosen one bitch like why do i need to bring <laughs> why do i need to bring whatever oh fucking you know gringotts of course they do and he has this moment where he gets to be like i did destroy the bank one time with the dragon <laughs> yeah they haven't forgiven me for taking that which dragon. like <laughs> fair i try to stay away from them because i'd also be mad at me <laughs> so he was like okay great this is gonna be like a one-day trip i'm gonna go figure this out and then i can get the fuck out of london and come back home and like back to my cat and my life he gets to london it is not a one-day trip <laughs> <laughs> spoiler <laughs> that's not how it works so he shows up at gringotts and they're like we need all of your information, please. So he gives it to him and he's like, okay, great. Um, you know, come back tomorrow. And he's like, what do you mean come back tomorrow? And they're like, well, you have to like process your application for your vault. <laughs> and he's like, motherfucker. So he goes back to like the Lethe Cauldron and like he's been seeing all these places that he had like been to and like your boy's traumatized. Yeah. <laughs> like the, um, he, I, there was something about when he was talking in this process he was remembering what it was like to live in london immediately after the battle of hogwarts and he was like part of the reason he left was that he had gone from war hero back to teenager and was like he he was trying to like everybody was trying to get different things out of him like one person wanted him to be an auror and then other people were like no you should go back to school and take your newts and then other people were like but you're a war hero and like he didn't really know how to fit in. Mm-hmm. So he just kind of felt disconnected with his surroundings. And he continues to, like, feel that way now. He's like, oh, the leaky cauldron's, like, nice now. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and he's really just, like, not about it. He's like, His intention is to get in, get out, like, go. Mm-hmm. And he has really lost contact with everybody, too. Like, he, it's been 10 years. Yeah. Also, I don't know if I said this. It's been 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're a decade out. And he just, like, he doesn't tell anyone he's coming. Mm-hmm. Because your boy's traumatized and yep. he's been avoiding people and he's been not processing his shit. So he shows up and like, he like very briefly goes to see Teddy and Teddy lives with Andromeda and Teddy doesn't really know him. And no. like, it's a bummer, but also like, that's how it goes. And uh, I wrote, it's all the worst parts of going back to a place that's supposed to feel like home, but absolutely does not. Mm-hmm. And so everything's just sort of like, you know, stressful. And then he goes back the next day and he's like, cool, great. Give me my shit in my vault so I can leave. And they're like, 
actually this vault has to be cleared of any magical curses or dark magic it's gonna take you have to call bill like bill Weasley, basically to like come in and like make sure that there's no cursed objects in this vault and he's like how long is this gonna take and they're like at least another couple days and he's like motherfucker so he (laughs) cool whatever he sees draco around in this process and he's like oh hello (laughs) draco is still very attractive delightful I'm not going to engage with anybody. I'm trying to stay away. He's like, he stops by Hermione. He's like, briefly to be like, you had a baby. (laughs) (laughs) And then he like leaves. It's super awkward. And then Bill, like the next day they like go back and Bill is like, so I found all your shit. And unfortunately your parents' wedding rings are really fucked up. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing I can do to fix it because it's out of my realm of expertise, but I do have a recommendation. And Harry's like, who is your recommendation? And he knows. He knows it's coming. <laughs> and Bill always goes, Draco Malfoy. <laughs> yep. And that's where the story begins. <laughs> We're already too long. I was, summary. Thinking, I was thinking, I was like, wow, she really said, she really said we're going to do short summaries and then launches into a 10 minute summary of the first chapter. <laughs> <laughs> the setup's important. And then I'll go through the rest of it. So... Like that's that's the setup basically. Is mm-hmm. like he now has to. He, these two rings are like violently unstable. There's something wrong with them. He can't leave until it's fixed. It's gonna take like six weeks, and it, he keeps running into like Draco, and he like goes and he hires Draco to fix them. Mm-hmm. Draco now like fixes like ancient pure blood magic shit for a living. Like that's right. what he does. And he also like has to go and like he's there for a long time because it's a long process to do this. So somewhere in that process, in that <laughs> ten minute thing, they find time to hook up. Yep. <laughs> and I didn't notice. Uh, you didn't notice. <laughs> no. Like it took until they were like, oh yeah, now we're regularly fucking for me to be like, what? <laughs> oh yeah, because it's not like they don't show you like explicit sex scenes or anything. Yeah. yeah. So I like missed that they had a like early on hookup, mm-hmm. and then and this was before he hires Draco. Yep. And then when he goes to hire Draco, they're like kind of awkward about it. Mm-hmm. And then they like and he's like, okay, now I'm hiring you to do this job, and they're like, okay, cool. And then they begin get like casually hooking up, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I like missed a whole thing. <laughs> Which like yeah, I'm probably too asexual for that, but uh, it was very funny. And so they, I mean, all you really need to know, it alternates between Harry and Draco's point of view from there. Mm-hmm. Mostly focusing on Draco's point of view, to be honest with you. I agree, yeah. And it's it's everything that you want in a fan fiction in the sense that they are two very stupid, very attractive people mm-hmm. who are very into each other, but thinks the other is not into them in the way that they are into them. And well, so, it's interesting yeah. because is this is this three or four chapters? I can't remember. It's four. Four chapters. I think the first chapter is all Harry. Yep. And then second and third chapters are Draco. Yep. And so in the first chapter, you get a sense that Harry is like really, again, really traumatized and wants nothing to do with Britain and like sees it as outdated and it's like I'm just here to get my shit and get out. Yep. Um. So and then he starts hooking up with Draco, and that's where the chapter kind of ends. Where you're, so you have all this mentality, like you know the background of Harry, like w- that Harry's coming with, like you know he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to put any roots down or anything. And then you go into Draco's point of view, and Draco is just really trying to keep things casual because he knows that Harry can't wait to get the fuck out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. And you, as a reader who has been in Harry's mind, you're like, yeah, he really wants nothing to do with you. So all the mixed signals that Draco is like getting, you as a reader are getting too. Mm-hmm. You're like, wait, has he changed? I don't know. I want to go back into his mind. It was really interesting. Yeah. 
I loved this fanfiction. Yay! Also, I thought it was delightful for many of those reasons. Because mm-hmm. so much of the, like, plot of it is them, like, trying to figure out all this, like, pure blood magic situation. Mm-hmm. And, like, talking about this idea of the... Conferrera? Yeah, it, it was a strange know. word. I couldn't, I couldn't pronounce yeah, it. But there's basically this like ancient magic that Draco understands because he comes from a pure blood family that like that, where that meant something, and mm-hmm. we know his his lineage. But he has sort of like taken his pure blood heritage and translationed it into like a research job and like figuring out how to basically restore and enhance this like ancient magic that was like super patriarchal Mm -hmm. where basically you create these two like magical rings like it's basically like a marriage ceremony yeah but it's magical and that's how you create like wizard families and Mm -hmm. wizard homes specifically so these rings that harry has in his vault are unstable because they were bonded and the trauma of Lillian james's death like made them unstable like it it damaged the bond it broke the house like Mm -hmm. godric's hollow is like damaged and harry understands none of that (laughs) none of it and so draco thinks he's being a little prick being like you know he doesn't care about house magic he doesn't care about like wizard families because that means like mean shit Mm -hmm. and harry just is like a dumb muggle-born who literally like is like it's rings i don't understand why they're like why it's a house who cares like i want to get back to my apartment i want to get far away from this and it doesn't Mm -hmm. carry that same like all this is just bad memories for me Mm -hmm. and so that tension i think is beautifully done in this fic yeah and that's what a lot of the plot revolves around is that sort of like like draco fixing the thing and then harry also realizing that he's like completely misunderstood yeah because the importance in, of it in harry's mind because of the most the simple the most straightforward way of explaining it is that it's it was this like pure blood ceremony to like strengthen the magical ties between pure blood families yeah. and so harry's first instinct is like fuck that because you know trauma right. makes sense um but what draco's work is is focusing on is figuring out how to adapt that like ceremony to alternative families to like muggle-born families or like um there was one where he married like two witches he creates gay marriage yeah he created like a gay marriage which wasn't like something that was easily done so it's yeah it's a really interesting plot device i was was pleasantly surprised yeah i very often get really mad about contrivances and like Mm -hmm. when things get too in the weeds with like the process of things i get really annoyed because i'm like meh but the intricacies of this really spoke to and like underscored the misunderstandings between the two characters Mm -hmm. as they were like navigating this like casual hookup relationship situation and just like talking past each other yeah and it totally made sense that they were like they weren't on the same page about anything the whole time so like they kept going to they would keep (laughs) they would keep going out and harry would keep like walking up to draco and being like so you're really attractive and it's time for us to go fuck now. Yeah. And Draco would be like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and all of Draco's friends are like, come on. You like, know. you are going to get hurt because you did the casual thing and it destroyed you. And then you had to, like, you realized you're a serial monogamist. And, like, he's not going to give you what you need. He's clearly here to, like, cut and run. Also, you always had a crush on this boy and it never went well for you. <laughs> so, like, what are you doing? And Draco's like, I can handle myself. Like, this is my problem to deal with. Like, I'm not going to let it get that far. It goes that far. <laughs> um, and then finally he's like, well, he's just going to break my heart. Like, it just is what it is. But Harry has this realization through the course of, like, watching Draco work and, like, trying to rebuild all of the relationships. Like, he rebuilds his relationship with, Harry, like, Hermione and Ron and, like... A lot of that happens off screen, which I thought was fascinating. Like, mm-hmm. you don't actually get a lot of, like, 
you don't get what Harry's doing because you're in Draco's head and vice versa. But you know that Harry has reconciled with like the Weasleys and in general because like they start to become like units in Mm -hmm. each other's lives again. Like he spends all of like a lot more time with Teddy and Andromeda and starts cooking for them all the time. And anytime Draco goes over, he's the one cooking dinner or hanging out and Teddy just talks about him incessantly. Yeah. And Draco had been the one to really step up and be the father figure. Yeah. And be a father figure for Teddy up to this point. So for Harry to like be more around, it was like Harry realizes that he just kind of like cut and ran because he was like traumatized and he made all these assumptions about what wizarding society was going to be mm-hmm. and what it was that were very fixed at the point at which he left. But coming back, he's like, they've integrated muggle technology. Yeah, like, they've got Wii's. They've got Wii's. <laughs> yeah, literally like a Nintendo. Um, but they've like, you know, people are walking around diagon alley and metallica t-shirts like it's a thing like they've opened up the wizarding world in such a way he was like i was not ready to make a commitment and like accept and like put the work in like Mm -hmm. i just needed to go i needed to get out of here because there were too many expectations but he he's like realizing that he, he his whole thing is like well draco doesn't want someone so flaky as me even if i'm working on it yeah so they're just like they're it's the, they both want the same thing, but they're not. They don't fucking talk about it nope. <laughs> because they're stupid boys, and that's what they do. Yep. Um, so they do. It does sort of culminate in Draco calling out Harry on his shit, which is good. I wrote, "Ooh, call him out, Draco." And then I said, "So when are we gonna process this trauma together, though?" Because <laughs> they kind of don't. The one sort of thing that I had is that mm-hmm. the getting together seemed to come really quickly mm-hmm. after all of this, like. I wanted a juicier, mm. like, like hashing it out scene than what we got. Yeah, it was good. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't bad. I just kind of felt like they, they did the thing where, like, Harry sort of, so Draco fixes the rings to a, up to a point mm-hmm. is what happens in the plot. And he basically puts a magical bandaid on them and makes them stable, but doesn't fix the problem. And Harry, and hands them back to Harry and is like, okay, well, I, I figured it out as much as I can. And Harry takes this as, like, dismissal. Yeah. Because he's like, okay, he literally created gay marriage. Any other <laughs> time he's done this work, he's gone above and beyond to try to figure this out. But for me, he just gives me, like, a magic band-aid. Like, he could not be more clearly telling me to get fucked. So he takes... He doesn't even take the rings. He just, like, leaves them with Draco and, like, pieces out back to New York. And Draco, meanwhile, is like, he didn't even care. Like, right. this was just a job for him. Like, I did the best that I could do. And, like, clearly he just wanted to cut and run, obviously. And whatever so he like holds onto the rings and so they're idiots and (laughs) and then draco fixes the rings completely and it involves going back to godric's hollow and like doing this whole like magic thing with like memory and like basically like stitching the rings magic back together using the house and like his memories and love for harry and it's really dangerous like he could have died doing Mm -hmm. it and like the house wants to destroy him because in this thing like houses have it's kind of it it made sense when i thought about the burrow Mm -hmm. where i was like oh so like houses in these bonds actually like seek to protect the family and they change to accommodate the family so like they just sort of like magically care for the families that they're bonded with and so godric's hollow has like been in this decrepit state forever because it can't be fixed while the bond is still broken or at least not magically fixed Mm -hmm. So he magically fixes it, which is crazy. And yeah. then he, um, Harry comes back to London because Neville asks him to create a version of the integration school for Hogwarts, mm-hmm. basically. And Harry's like, cool, great. 
I'll help <laughs> you with that. And he decides to basically commute <laughs> for a while um, and be both in America and in London. And then it becomes very clear that he should run the school mm-hmm. in Scotland. And he's just going to, like, do it. And he just kind of is like, yeah, and his American friends are like, do it. We don't need you here. <laughs> <laughs> they're, like, good friends. But yeah, they're yeah. kind of, like, they're original characters. Like, we don't really know them. Mm-hmm. And they're just, like, there to be like, yes, go. Live your life. Go make out with Draco. Um, and Harry's like, I'm not going to do that. And they're like, yes, you are. And <laughs> so he and Neville run, like, start up this new integrative school, mm-hmm. like, lead-up school with Minerva McGonagall. Minerva McGonagall. And Draco, who is also part of this project. But they stay away from each other because now they're, like, broken up whatever yeah i wrote they are both morons <laughs> and then i wrote they are both so stupid just talk to each other oh my god yep and, and then i said ah it's the i feel stupid moment <laughs> which must have been when they had that conversation yeah. after draco because the house starts fixing itself after draco fixes the rings because the magic has been restored and mm-hmm. also harry gets the rings from him yeah, uh, Draco mails it to Harry. Yeah, and goes back to Godric's Hollow, and as he's there, like it's he's been re- like the magic has been restored, and he him being there allows the house to heal. Yeah, like starts to rebuild itself basically. Yeah, so like the cabinets like literally like zoom back on to the cabinet thing, and like there are new hinges, and like the rooms get cleared up, the roof rebuilds itself mm-hmm. at like around him, and it builds him this home that he's like, oh, this is really like i'm i'm home now and yeah. like i maybe i'm ready to be committed and like consistent and yeah and like, it like it builds it. the house that he needs too like he, right. it, it creates like a room for teddy to come and stay yeah. on weekends and stuff like that i yeah i think that room was his nursery room yeah which like broke my heart but it was really beautiful and it was really well done because it was like you know the i think there was a line about you know you would have never known that this room is a nursery but it's the same color as Teddy's room at Andromeda's. Yeah. And I was like, oh, stop it. <laughs> it was really good. So they have their confrontation at Godric's Hollow. Mm-hmm. And Harry's like, I want to be with you. Obviously, I was terrible and, like, very commitment, whatever. And Draco's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I had to, like, put my magic into fixing the rings. So you're being manipulated into caring about me. Yeah. And Harry's like, no. <laughs> No, that's not what's happening. I think what he, what I wrote down was, I haven't done this for you, but I want to share it with you. Mm. Which, I mean, is really where Harry's coming from. He's like, yeah. this wasn't about you, really. Like, this was about me reclaiming, like, my my story and, like, my life and sort of accepting that, like, I wasn't meant to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and I'm allowed to live. I want to share that life with you. And that's the thing that, like, allows them to be together. Yeah. Is Draco, is, I'm sorry, is Harry really, set, like, allowing himself to be happy, which he has not done up to this point. And then I wrote at the very end, this is a proposal fic, you bastard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a, a little sneaky proposal at the end, sneaky perhaps. sneaky proposal at the end. So, um, you know, there is an epilogue. I think chapter four is an epilogue. And oh, I, yeah. Which I wrote, this is honestly what the epilogue of the real books could never be, only wishes it could be, <laughs> etc. Um, where, you know, they have their life together and they're doing their thing and blah, blah, blah. And it ends with um, Harry proposing to Draco with the rings, which is very sweet. And they get together and he's like, will you be my husband? I want to do this, this, conf- whatever ceremony it is with you and build a house with you. Um, yeah. 
I don't know if any of that made sense, y'all. <laughs> we're, we're, this is going to be one of those episodes where we're just like really getting back into it and it's fine. But, you know, we're at minute 33 and... <laughs> We're at we're at thirty three minutes. Yep. Great. No pressure for me to like. I guess I'll just blaze on through what you sent me. We have not only the other fic, but also the wreck to get through. And I was the one oh, that, that was is... so insistent. Oh, I forgot. I thought that was the next episode. Oops. <laughs> Woo! All, All right. right. Cool. Um, I really enjoyed this fic. Obviously, nice. I'm not great right now i'm not stellar but i wrote my only complaint is the getting together bit went kind of fast but like even then not really nice this was delightful i enjoyed it thoroughly the found family element of it was really strong because first of all this this fic was so queer yeah it was very queer like from the get-go like i was like oh this person not only is an adult who understands what sarah is um (laughs) they are also a queer adult because Mm -hmm. they understand what it's like to actually develop like a found family and like your people and like build a life for yourself and navigate complicated relationships with others when things go wrong so it was very queer in that way and um like Ginny and luna are married in this which is awesome i love that and like there were a lot of queer characters and a lot of a lot of queer culture seeping its way in with like Mm -hmm. the bars that they would meet at and the things that they would do and the ways that they operate i was like this resonates very strongly as like authentically queer in a way that i understand not that there's any inauthentic way to be queer but sure <laughs> um this sort of like there it wasn't sort of you know how sometimes if people haven't experienced it it's harder to like pinpoint it yeah it had that energy nice. of like yeah this person like has lived this life um not to make assumptions but that's what it felt like mm-hmm. so yeah i loved it yay solid 4.5 out of 5 nice so good starting off strong starting off strong you want to know what the best part is what i did not have to search for this because back in season one when he was trying to be a productive little noodle <laughs> he went he was just searching through like random arch- archive of our own like tags and stuff and whenever i found something that like had an interesting summary with a pairing i knew i was like I'll just throw it onto this doc, and then I would just label it like possibly used for this fit, for this tag or something. And this, I would, I was just like, I'm gonna check. Maybe there's something there. And I, I found this, and I was like, oh, let me, re- let me read this. And I was like, yes, perfect, excellent, <laughs> perfect. You did it. I did it. It came in handy finally. The you document. You did it. I'm very proud of you. Thanks. Good job, past Alan Noodle. <sighs> Love that for past Alan Noodle. I'm sorry for what I've done for you to you <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> Do you uh, want to talk about what I sent you? Sure. Y'all ready for a speed run? Yep. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's <laughs> it's absolutely fine. Also, the one I sent you was much longer than what you sent me. That's true. What so, did I send you? I forget. <laughs> so a good segue. You sent me a fic entitled "But We Can Try." Uh, it is by. Hetris, Hetris, H-E-H-E-T-R-E-Z. Yep. It is an archive of our own. It is an MCU Stucky. Aha! Fic. Yep. Which one is it, though? I I thought I read through seven, (laughs) and then I picked one. (laughs) Well, maybe the summary will help. Thank you. Bucky said, these are love letters, Rogers. You've been drawing me love letters. Oh, yeah. I do remember now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, this was so cute, so sweet. Mm-hmm. It made me really wish I had seen <laughs> Winter Soldier to <sighs> really get all of the the nuance uh, and all of the all of the angst pre built. I keep forgetting that you haven't <laughs> seen it. Have you seen the Falcon and the Winter Soldier? <laughs> no. My eyes are closed, so I can't look at you. Uh, nope. 
I hate you. Was this written post? Uh, no. Okay, good. It was not. But the reason I sent it to you is because now I'm obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Yep. Yeah, I was wondering, like... Sebastian Stan? Oh, love my that. My friend. Love that man. Do you want to come on the podcast? Please come on the podcast. <laughs> I feel like that would be a level of chaos that we could not manage ourselves. I would love that, though. That I'm, I'm so ready great. for it. It's <laughs> very attractive. So beautiful. Oh, my God. Okay. Right. So this fic, basically, it's uh, Steve and... Bucky living in Avengers Tower with uh, the rest of the Avengers, minus uh, Thor, who is back in Asgard, presumably. Yep. Um, and it's I, I, I assume it's shortly after they have got Bucky back from the Winter Soldier like programming and whatnot. So he's like adapting to life and stuff. And Steve is being more attentive maybe than uh, is usual. Um, but in his head, it's just because he wants to make sure that Bucky is integrating with the rest of the group and like um basically just keeps looking at him and like wondering like basically being very very glad that he's alive in here with him um and this culminates uh early in early on in the fic when uh bucky is like stop looking at me like that um and steve says like what and Bucky tells him, you you keep looking at me with, like, if your heart is breaking every time, like, I'm sorry I can't be him, you know? And, I'll, and then that caused some confusion for Alan. I was like, what? <laughs> Who? Who? <laughs> what? And then I got, when? I think I gathered through, through context clues and prior knowledge that it, like, so it's not, he has no memories of before being the Winter Soldier. Oh, I didn't read it that way. I read it more like they had this particular relationship when they were young, right? And, like, they had been mythologized and, like, there there was this idea of, like, the Bucky that you lost. Uh. I can't be that guy. I can't be your, like, swashbuckling best friend oh, from when we were young. Okay, okay. Because I am a fundamentally different person now. I see. So it's not logistics. Right. Right. <laughs> There's not a physically different human Perfect. involved in this. I was confused and Hold I on. was like, wow, how many how many Stucky fix have I read and no one's bothered to tell me? I know. But good. Excellent. Yeah. L- that, love to hear that. I think that's what he meant. Amazing. I to be fair, it's been a while since I've read this. <laughs> Is anyone shocked? No. Not me. You shouldn't be. So, yes, uh, Bucky and Steve have this argument where Bucky's... I keep having to not say Stucky because it is hard. It is. It's difficult. Uh, where Bucky is saying, you know, I, I'm sorry, I can't be him. Basically, later on, they they're, uh, they go to do, like a, a fight for something and Bucky's arm is like dented or is like a little damaged and he's like fixing it. And Steve comes over just to make sure that Bucky's all right and he's like watching... Bucky's arm and Bucky gets self-conscious and says you know like stop looking at my arm just because you don't like it or whatnot Mm -hmm. basically we have all this internalized like uh Bucky thinking that Steve is really uncomfortable with Bucky how he is now and all of this stuff and so Steve to prove that he has no problem with uh Bucky's arm decides to draw like a portrait of uh, Bucky with his arm like while he was fixing his arm and leaves it on the kitchen table and says you know I don't I don't hate your arm and then this becomes a bit of a new courting system, basically, where Steve is trying to get closer to Bucky, who he has noticed. So Steve has noticed that Bucky actually has had a less 
hard time than Steve himself in like integrating himself with the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so like once Steve goes to talk to Sam and so he, he shows up and realizes as that like um, they they're having a movie night and there's popcorn and Steve asks you know does this usual does this happen often? And Sam says yeah we we watch quite a few movies well we'll invite you next time. And so this whole thing is um, Steve kind of realizing that he himself has he's been holding himself back from really allowing those bonds to form with other people and now that Bucky is back wanting to form that bond with him and not be so alone anymore and he he's drawing constantly any any little shot of Bucky like them them at Bucky fighting Bucky cooking Bucky just Bucky (laughs) (laughs) all Bucky all the time all Bucky all the time which is not dissimilar from my TikTok for you page (laughs) <laughs> at this moment in time. I love that for you. Yep, thank you. Um, I'll and, be here all week. And there are some that he doesn't give to Bucky because they're just a little too uh, on the nose, if you will. Just like uh, like Bucky's sleeping or Bucky... Yep. Uh, once Bucky has a nightmare and so Steve goes in there and they both sleep shirtless and then they fall asleep like touching shoulders. And so he draws that but <laughs> decides to put it in his bedside drawer and yep. deal with that a different day. He's like, you don't need to know. Yep. And <laughs> so when, happened. In, uh, somewhere near the end of the fic or like in the middle... Uh, Steve asks Bucky, you know, what do you, where do you go off to every day? Like you just disappear. And then in the evenings we hang out, but where, where are you going to? And Bucky's like, all right, put your shoes on and grab a coat. It's going to be cold. And so Bucky takes Steve around the city, around New York, just to different vendors, different food restaurants. And like, yeah, there was this really lovely part where he goes, talks to this woman who sells the best tamales in Manhattan and speaks Spanish to her. Which was great. It was actual, proper grammar Spanish, and I was nice. so grateful for it. Yep. And so, yeah, he goes around just like, and Steve gets to see firsthand how people love Bucky and how Bucky has made connection, made human connection with people in this century. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that really affects him a lot. And he starts to think about what he wants to do, and he talks to Sam and Sam gives him a whole bunch of, like, alternatives, like, get a therapy dog or, like, get a new hobby. Um, you know, just different things to try and break out of that self-isolation that Steve has had himself in. Um, and then one day, uh, Bucky's cooking for him. And Steve asks him to, to spar with him. And Bucky's like, I don't know. And Steve really wants to. He's like, please, please. And Bucky's a little hesitant because he doesn't want to, like go all out and like further distance himself from whatever view Steve has of him in his mind. But they end up sparring and it's very hot for Steve. Steve is like all about it. And basically into it. He basically ends with a hard on and uh, Bucky on top of him. Bucky panics, runs, runs out of there, Mm -hmm. which, you know, fair. (laughs) As as is fan fiction tradition. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, Steve goes back to their apartment and, Uh, basically confronts Bucky and Bucky's like why like let's not talk about it I don't want to talk about it um we've tried this before when we were 13 we tried like they tried to give each other hand jobs and it just didn't work out for whatever reason Mm -hmm. um so let's just leave it there and oh and Bucky's Becky is uh grappling with the fact that now that he feels attraction towards Steve he's like it's because I'm different it's because I'm not the same person yeah and Steve is like I want you the same way it's fine and then they make out and then it's fine. It's really nice and sweet. And uh, Steve is like, hang on, I have something to show you. And goes and gets the drawings. And 
gives them to Bucky and is like, here you go. <laughs> Just so you can know how fucking obsessed I've been over you. He's like, I don't know if this is going to help or hurt, but uh, yep. it's going to come out sometime. So. And then uh, Bucky says the the summary language is like, these are, you've been writing me love letters through drawings, which is really cute and sweet. And yeah. uh, that's the end of the fic. You are a gift <laughs> to us all. Because that was a speed run. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, well done. Thank you. Um, I had a great time. I so thought good. this was lovely, and I really appreciated the, like, the realization that um, you can keep yourself from forming bonds with people or, like, being part of a family. Because sometimes, you mm-hmm. know, you feel like you are already really close to someone, but you're still afraid to, like, go the extra step and really bond with someone. Mm-hmm. And I related to that a lot from Steve's perspective. Um, yeah. But I thought it was really sweet, and I love, I, I've, I know I've said this before, but I love, like, Avengers fix when they're all living in the Avengers Towers, and it's just a frat house. I love it. We have been robbed of Avengers Tower as a thing that happened. In, True. Like, that should have happened in the MCU. Like, it should be a thing. But it hasn't. So fan fiction had to step up and do it. Yeah. And Avengers Towers fix are... Like, that's definitely, I sent this to you now, and I've, like, gone back to that era mm-hmm. of my life, but, like, Avengers Tower Fix were, like, my jam before The Magicians. Them. I read it all the time. Like, They're so that was so definitely good. one that I bookmarked, like, a couple years ago and, like, kept. I'm glad. I, yeah. I enjoyed that a lot. In fact, I want someone to, I want Disney to make an Avengers Tower series a la Teen Titans, the, the OG. Teen Titans! That would be, <laughs> that'd be chill. I would love that. I'd watch that. He I says, also... having not watched any TV shows. <laughs> but it, it hurts me that you haven't seen The Falcon and the Winter Soldier because I have so many feelings about The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm so sorry. And I can't talk to you about them because I'll end up spoiling the whole thing. You can talk at me. <laughs> I can talk at you about them, but I can't talk with you about them. Alan. Caitlin, help. Caitlin, <laughs> yeah. I haven't watched a whole, and to be honest with you, I haven't watched a whole lot of new things in quarantine. Mm-hmm. That has not been my jam, which is not super helpful. But that's fair. <laughs> With regards to this podcast. Um, but the, yeah, that show was really, really fun. Nice. And I am, I just live for all the Bucky uh, angst. Of and course. And the Bucky figuring out his life. Ugh. And I think Bucky is a really good vehicle in general for the found family trope because he yeah. has, he has none. Like, mm-hmm. much like Steve, he is, he's also a man out of time. Mm-hmm. And so he has to form his own family in some way and he's you know they're very gay so yep. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out in the end i love that <laughs> yeah yeah this was great um i highly recommend i would give this a 3.5 out of 5 wow yeah enjoy hmm. that hmm. and aaron's taking it very well <laughs> <laughs> i can't hide my face anymore <laughs> I don't know how to mask emotions anymore <laughs> and um i'm usually usually behind a computer Okay. <laughs> it is very weird to speak to you not through a computer screen. Uh-huh. I'm, I usually have my computer to hide behind. Yep. And now I have nothing. Yep. <laughs> that and I fed you. You did feed me. So. Thanks. You should round up all of your answers accordingly <laughs> if you would like to continue to be fed. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I'll give it like a 3.8. You're Thank right. Thank you. You're right. You're That's right. better. I appreciate you. <laughs> I'm rusty on the grading scale, you yep. know? <laughs> Those are called uh, brownie points. <laughs> and they're for me only. <laughs> Amazing. Unless you bring brownies next time, in which case <laughs> you also get brownie points. Very fun. Very fun. 
thank God you did that so fast because we have a third fic to talk about, and this one's not going to be. What? There's a third fic. Woo! (laughs) So as mentioned in the top of this episode, we are going to try to regularly incorporate recommendations from you, our listeners, into these reviews. Whether or not this is a thing that is successful is yet to be determined, but we're going to start off the season with a fan wreck. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's also a fan wreck from someone we know mm-hmm. and love, and you all probably know Friend of and the love, because <laughs> if you listen to this podcast, you probably listen to their podcast or know their fan art mm-hmm. or generally interact with them on Twitter because they are a delightful person, and that would be... Evelyn Rogers. Yes. What a gift to us all. Hi, Evelyn. <laughs> um, we are finally reading one of your many recommendations. We're doing it. <laughs> it's happening. Um, if you, listeners, would like to submit a recommendation for us to read, um, there is a Google form that you can use to send links and um, tag information. You can you can choose to include your name or not. It really is up to you. Um, if you do include your name, please include your pronouns so we get them right. And then, yeah, you can send us recommendations of fix to read and maybe your choice will be um, included on an episode of The Fic List. Ooh. It can be a fic you wrote. It can be a fic you love. It can be whatever you want. There's no people have sent fix they write. Just, yep. It's cool. It's all good. We're all for it. So, what is the fic, Elon? The fic is a fic. Um, <laughs> it is called Pretty Good Year. Uh, it is by H-th. On Archive of Our Own. I know I know you listen to this podcast, so I'm sorry. We're not making fun of you. We, we, I, we're I just like dumb. It. I know. We're just really punchy. It is a The Magician's Fic. Because <laughs> it wouldn't be a fic list episode without a Magician's Fic somewhere. There has been zero episodes <laughs> since a Magician's Fic. Let's go ahead and change the sign here at the yep. studio. Yep, yep, yep. I'm making Alan do all the work on this one. All right, great. Not just because she had read it previously and mm-hmm. br- didn't reread it for this mm-hmm. podcast, but Alan Correct. had to reread it Correct. or read it yep. for the first time. Yep. So I did the thing where I was like, I know this this story, and I didn't reread it, and I didn't take notes. And now I'm looking at it, and I'm like, do I remember? <laughs> I do. I remember. I, I do. Not enough to, yep, Alan, you can do it. <laughs> and then Alan was like, you know what? I'm going to be a good noodle. I'm going to write a little chapter, like chapter points every after every chapter just to know what happened. And then if you look at my note, it starts off really well. And then somewhere around chapter 10, it just goes insane. Oh. But also this fic is 150,000 <laughs> words. Let me reiterate. That is 150,000 words. I read it as a work in progress. Oh, my lord. <laughs> it's also part of a universe. There's more. Oh, I saw. <laughs> I, I was aware. I was like, dear... Lord in heaven, save me. Yes. When people get really down on fanfiction, I get really mad because I'm like, okay, I understand that (laughs) reading a book is a different experience from reading fanfiction. They have different goals, different structures. There's different things at play here. But 150,000 words is a book. Yes! I read a fucking book. That is a book! Yep. And you know what the worst part is? I can't put it on my Goodreads. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, like, that's the thing. Is like, really, the disparagement of fanfiction as, like, not a valid literary form or whatever is such bullshit. Because, oh, absolutely. Like, people write these incredible things. And this is, like, this is a full book that someone mm-hmm. wrote. Which is awesome. 
Yeah. So. And it's like way better developed than some other books I've oh, read, you yeah. know? So I, yeah, I, I agree with those points. Anyway. So here goes Alan <laughs> attempting his second speed run of the day. <laughs> Everyone stand back. <laughs> the crowd waits in anticipation. Alan goes, new. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Pretty Good Year by H.S. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, write in, let us know. <laughs> Please actually correct us on Twitter or something. Uh, and the summary reads, What's it going to take till my baby's all right? Well, still, pretty good year. Wonderful. We love that for us. We love a short, sweet, and to the point summary because we don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> and really, we didn't. Okay. Starting off strong with chapter one. <laughs> uh, so basically, Elliot works as a bartender in Indiana. It's no no magic, so it's a fully alternate universe. Um, and him and Margot. My brain just broke because I was remembering Harry Potter, no magic. <laughs> oh, God. Yep, no magic. Yep. It's fine. We're good. There's no magic. They're just human beings. Um... Elliot lives with Margot in a condo in Indiana, which they have moved to after living in LA. And um, Elliot is like a huge theater nerd, which I love mm-hmm. as a huge theater nerd myself. And yeah. went to LA to do the whole L- uh, do the actor thing, and basically spiraled out of control with like uh, drug abuse, substance, uh, was in an abusive relationship, and finally the the kind of the straw that broke the camel's back there was that uh, Margot was deep into addiction. Um, and had to go to rehab, and Elliot knew that if they stayed in L.A., it was just not going to stick, and so they, he moved to be with Margot in Indiana. Mm-hmm. But Elliot is working as a bartender nights, and is very bored, basically, is mm-hmm. the gist of it. Um, him and Margot see a moving truck to their building, um, and the condo across the hall from theirs is being is going to uh, be occupied for the first time. Uh, they know that it's this blonde girl, uh, who we later find out is Alice, who owns the condo. But who moves in but Quentin Coldwater? Yay! <laughs> um, who was, up until just recently, uh, engaged to Alice and now is not. Um, oh, oh dear. <laughs> and it just did not work out. But now he is... Uh, less yay. Less yay. He is renting it from Alice, though, because he's uh, he's doing his master's, PhD. He's doing his PhD in Purdue. Yep. At Purdue. Excuse me. Um, in philosophy. In Purdue chicken. <laughs> yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. So then Elliot sees Quentin and is like, I could bang him. <laughs> You're not wrong. In the first chapter, <laughs> Elliot like does this test uh, to figure out if Quentin would be at all interested. Where he says, "Give me your phone," and Quentin immediately slaps that bitch on on Elliot's hand. Like, here you go. Yeet. Yup. And Elliot is like, "Great." If he had been straight, he would have been like, "What? Why?" If he was curious, he would have been like, mm, "Okay." But he, but Elliot is like, "Well, Quentin basically just slammed his phone on my hand, so I know he wants the D." As per usual, Quentin. Dives in head first, mouth open. True. Um, we fast forward a week. Quentin and Elliot, boom, get it on. It's fraudage. They love it. <laughs> Elliot. Oh my god. <laughs> End of the chapter. Elliot is like, I don't want to catch feelings for this uh, small bean, but I think I might. But I'm scared of that, so I'm just not. I'm just gonna ignore it. Chapter two. <laughs> I am losing my mind. This is insane. Okay, this is too much. You're too much. <laughs> Chapter two, Elliot and Quentin spend a, a good majority of it thinking that they're not good for each other. Aren't there like 13 chapters in this? <laughs> There's 14. There's 14. Margot gets Quentin wine drunk. Quentin and Elliot sleep together more. Uh, end of the chapter, we find out Quentin has a child. 
a little Ted Coldwater who is five Teddy. years old. Teddy. Um, they call him Ted. Um, There's so <laughs> many Teds in this episode. It's all Ted. An abundance of Teds. A, 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 <gasps> that's the title. Yep. <laughs> abundance of Ted. <laughs> so Quentin has a child named Ted after his father who died from cancer. That's kind of canon. And so he moved to Indiana instead of going to Yale for his PhD to be closer to his son who is living with his maternal grandmother because the mom committed suicide and Quentin is too uh, unstable, quote unquote, according to the government, to take custody of his child. Mm -hmm. That's chapter two. Chapter three. We should say that the mother of Ted is Ariel. Yes, thank you. Yep. Um, I forgot her name. Ariel. Well, thank you. Not Ariel. (laughs) Which is what was said in a previous episode, and Evelyn <laughs> did private tweet me and was like, why didn't you correct Alan? And I was like, I just let him go. <laughs> Evelyn, I try so hard. <laughs> Do you not see how hard I try? <laughs> oh, man. So I've, I've corrected the wrong now. Thank you. You're welcome. Chapter three. Quentin starts out depressed and withdraws for a bit. Elliot is nervous about that. Quentin asks him on a date. And finally, they go on that date despite it being having been postponed twice because of depression. They go and adapt. They go adopt Fester the cat. Um, I forgot about Fester. Yeah, Fester the cat. Oh, Fester. Very ugly, very cute. <laughs> like me? <laughs> no. <laughs> they have a first kind of serious. It's like an argument-ish where Quentin is telling Elliot, I, "I'm not looking for anyone to try to fix me." Like mm-hmm. he gets very like protective when you know people are like oh you should do this or you should do that and quentin is like i'm i i don't need anyone to try and fix me because all it's going to end up in is that person getting tired and then they're not going to want to deal with me anymore so i don't need it elliot sings to him love it (laughs) chapter four oh my god (laughs) elliot decides to quit smoking because of quentin which is really sweet and he gives him as like a symbol like he just decides off the cuff uh, when quentin asks oh are you smoking um, and Elliot is like, I was thinking of quitting anyway. Here you go. And throws his a cigarette case, which is like gold plated and has his mm-hmm. initials, which is really sweet. Uh, Margo is not happy because she thinks that Elliot is changing himself for uh, Quentin, mm-hmm. which he is. Um, yep. <laughs> Margo, as usual, is not wrong. Yep. They go, uh, Margo and Elliot have uh, pizza at Quentin's apartment with uh, Quentin and his son, Ted. Uh, Margo and Quentin bond over Fillory. And and it's like a really sweet thing. And Margo is in love with Teddy or Ted. Uh, And then the end of the night, there's almost a threesome between Margo, Elliot and Quentin. But then it's Elliot stops it and he and Margo have an argument. But the chapter ends with them making up. So it's all okay. (laughs) chapter five i would pay good money to just have you recap everything in this style forever and ever oh boy amen chapter five ted's grandma dies we're sad Uh, (laughs) (laughs) q quentin asks elliot to come to the funeral and margo tags along to be there for ted l continues to be afraid of fucking things up margo decides that she wants to foster ted um, and, love Margo. Yeah, and proposes to Elliot so that they, as a married couple, have a better shot of actually uh, being able to foster Ted. And Elliot is like, yeah, I mean, that that sounds good to me. Yeah, cool. Yep. Uh, Elliot tells Quentin. Quentin says he's fine with it. Don't know what that means, but it was all capitalized, so I'm telling you now. Uh, Elliot is basically convincing himself the whole time that he's okay with it and with all the pressures that it is coming on. But it's clear he's not. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. like, it's fine, it's fine. It's not fine. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, Elliot uh, calls up his stepmother to get his mom's ring from a safety deposit box that mm-hmm. his dad told him he could have. 
Um, and she was like, I don't know that I can give it to you, you know, but maybe if you talk to your father, I know that he feels really bad about all the fucking trauma and abuse. Um, yeah. And Elliot says, no, fuck that. No, thank you. Thanks anyway. Goodbye. Um, him and Margot get married. And, and it's like a really like city hall and they go get drunk at a bar kind of thing which is really awesome uh chapter seven <laughs> hangover morning which i loved is a tradition that margo and elliot have every night every morning when they would wake up hungover they'd get up they would make uh mimosas and then they would eat wa- they'd watch a movie and then oh and it's uh peanut butter bacon sandwiches oh yep <laughs> i forgot about that mm-hmm. not my favorite choice eighth uh, they watch The Greatest Showman, which is very, which is appropriate because um, Elliot still loves performing, but is not allowing himself that opportunity. Um, Ted moves in finally, um, and then at, uh, the whole chapter is kind of Elliot feeling like an imposter because he doesn't like obviously he feels underqualified for everything, but um, he's trucking along anyway. Um, for Elliot's birthday, Quentin buys him a piano <laughs> because he wants Elliot to have some music in his life, which is really nice. Um, oh no oh my god and then okay and then Elliot's dad shows up at Margot's work and basically like harasses her for the ring he's very drunk yeah and Elliot goes to like between them and the cops are there and um his dad pushes Elliot and just the physical contact of it uh sends Elliot into a panic attack and Margot says you need to go to therapy um that the the caseworker for Ted has a partner who's Penny Mm-hmm. Um, who is a therapist and the caseworker basically gave um, them Penny's card and said, I think you'd like my, my partner. He's mm-hmm. no, no bullshit, which makes sense. Yep. Um, that is Penny. Chapter eight, Halloween. Elliot makes all of them dress up as the Adams family. He is Wednesday. Cause of course, <laughs> <laughs> because duh. Yep. The vice principal at the school uh, uh, hits on Elliot and then offers him part-time work as a costumer at a theater, which, creepy, but okay. <laughs> Elliot goes to therapy and realizes, oh, this, there might be something here. Uh, Quentin retreats to himself because it's November <laughs> and, you know, sees a little depression and he's overwhelmed. Oh, and the, he basically he's trying to, like, distance himself from the happy family dynamic because he doesn't want to be a burden and all that stuff, mm-hmm. which is, you know, unfortunate, but... A very Quentin thing to do. A very Quentin thing to do. Margo is sleeping with a co-worker. Um, good for her. <laughs> good for her. We love that for her. Ellie and Quentin spend Thanksgiving alone and things are okay. Uh, they kind of talk out. Because it's it's a whole thing of like Quentin is, um, has warned Elliot and Elliot's trying to be really cognizant of that fact and not like be all up in Quentin's space. But he is scared and wants to see him and all of this stuff. So it's really, it's Mm -hmm. nuanced. But after Thanksgiving, they're okay, everyone. They're trying to navigate a very delicate balance. Exactly. Chapter 9. (laughs) He wants to do Christmas, but feels like an imposter because his awful childhood never afforded him a happy Christmas. Woof. Quentin gives him tickets to Hadestown and a trip to New York. Yep. We love that. Uh, Ted is sad. Remember trips. (laughs) True. Oh, man. Remember New York? Yeah, I sure do. I'm going in September. I'm very excited. <gasps> Yay. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, Ted is sad and scared about being left behind again. Elliot handles it like an adult. At the Airbnb, Quentin reveals that he's having trouble with uh, holding an erection because of his higher dose of antidepressants. Elliot realizes that he really never wants to lose Quentin, and Quentin basically says the same thing. So now at this point, Quentin, I think, has said, I love you, mm-hmm. um, and Elliot has not, but has thought it very strongly. And he's like, <laughs> it's, it's a high point of contention with Elliot and himself, where he wants to desperately 
verbalize the things that he's feeling to the people that he cares about, but he can't because he's afraid of losing them. He's afraid that if he points out how happy he is, the universe is going to be like, oh, shit, you're right. Sorry, let me just take that back from you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not allowed to be happy. Exactly. What? Trauma. Trauma, man. Uh, Why chapter- is this episode so much trauma? <laughs> Isn't that all fan fiction is? That's true. That's true. <laughs> Just processing dra- trauma in different ways. Mm-hmm. Chapter 10. New York trip. They go to a, a park where Quentin would used to go walk alone uh, that would make him feel like it, he was in Fillory. And it's really sweet. And he talks about how he invited his mom, who lives like just a train right away, to come into the city and see him. And his mom was like, no. And you find out that the last time that Quentin was institutionalized, his mom didn't go see him, just sent a card. And yeah. so it, this is, like, a real, like, awful thing because... Fuck Quentin's mom. Fuck Quentin's mom. And Elliot is frustrated not being able to, like, you know, verbalize that how strongly he feels about Quentin. Uh, <laughs> they meet Julia. She's a little rude, but they get over it, is what I wrote. <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> I don't recall, but it sounds correct. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, because, oh, basically, Julia meets, meets uh, Elliot and asks Quentin, so, you know, what's the... Deal. And Quentin has to be like, are you honestly asking, like, you, you don't think I could just land him because of all of my issues? And Julia is, basically says, I don't want to be a bitch about it, but yeah, well, how did you land him? Which is, like, really, really rude and, like, really inappropriate. Rude. Just because yeah. it's true doesn't mean you have to point it out, ho. Yeah. Um, Again, Julia, complicated. Yeah. <laughs> they get over it, fast friends. They have dinner with James, Alice, and Alice, and that's fine. Um, oh, and then they have, like, the perfect day where, like, they go and, like, do all of the shopping, and they go to Rockefeller Center, and they go watch Hades Town, and then Elliot, Elliot is crying, because it's, like, he, all, he always dreamed about going to New York with a partner when he was a little, you know, little boy, and he never got that experience, and now he did, and it's with Quentin, who he fucking loves, mm-hmm. um, and Quentin, and they get back to the Airbnb, and Quentin is just frustrated about not being able to, like, do sexy time. Mm-hmm. And Elliot has to be like, this was the best day of my life, please. <laughs> Elliot was like, I don't need to do sexy times with our our, our penises. We did sexy times with our hearts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry, that. I just said that out loud. <laughs> That's going to be the subtitle. No! <laughs> That's going to be the promo. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> Chapter 11. They back. Christmas stuff gets done. Elliot goes back to work at the bar. Quentin sends a dick pic and tops for the first time. Congratulations, Quentin. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, ooh, Elliot says, I love you. And then promptly panics. Yep, that sounds right, too. Um, they go to A Christmas Carol, which is the show that the the community theater that uh, oh, yeah. Elliot is volunteering slash working at. As oh, we love A Christmas customer Carol. Is, is working on, and it's really sweet. Kermit is the main character. Yes, uh-huh, exactly. Mm-hmm. Quentin and Margot uh, asked to take Ted to a, a Unitarian church for service. And Elliot is like, absolutely fucking not. Like, because religious trauma. Religious trauma, exactly. And Margot's like, hey, his trauma is not your trauma. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and so they go and Elliot says, well, fine, take him. I'm not going. And then uh, it's Christmas Eve going. It's like Christmas Eve at midnight. So it's Christmas now. And Quentin and Elliot are the last people left out in the living room. And they're just kind of hidden behind the tree and on a window seat and just like admiring the Christmas tree. And Quentin asks Elliot if, you know, he can keep taking Ted to church because he thinks that it's like a really good social type thing. And like, it'd be nice to give him like a foundation of some sort. And that leads into Elliot uh, talking about this really traumatic experience he had where he was always a problem child um, after his mom passed away and his dad was abusive and so they sent him away to like a reform school or a reform house of type of sorts where a bunch of boys 
Um, and it was like led by a church and it was basic awful. They were not feeding them correctly. Um, oh, what was the thing? The, the whole catalyst was that they would make the boys like stand up and then say something like a, a, say the sin or something that they've been holding in their heart or like that they've been worried about. Um, their trauma basically and everyone else had to like yell prayers at the at the person just to like Mm -hmm. try and heal them kind of thing and elliot refused to do that um basically it ends with elliot being locked in the like basement that only has a light bulb at the top and it's like cold and there's nothing down there he's locked in the basement for three days with no food no water and elliot feels that a part of him died like basically like he lost his soul and then he basically disassociated Mm-hmm. from that from that trauma from that pain and moved on and so he is very he has this pride about knowing how to survive basically um disassociate from all the trauma and all the bad stuff in his life and so he admits to quentin you know i feel like if there are souls mine died that day and like if there's a part missing of me and quentin's uh, quentin has to be like no you you haven't and elliot loses it and it's like crying and sobbing and it's like really powerful and it's a good step in the right direction for elliot Chapter 12. It got dark. It sure But we are uh-huh. going to keep on trucking. Um, Elliot is talking to his therapist. He's talking to Penny. Um, and basically says that I don't think I could, I'm a good parent or I'm a good partner. Like, I don't know what that is, what that looks like. And Penny is like, well, what does a good partner, partner slash parent look like to you? And Elliot says, Gomez Adams. And basically Which tricks... Which is correct. Is, yeah, exactly. Um, and basically tricks Elliot into realizing there are things you can work towards. Like, those are things that you... Per, like already have you just have to work on them a little more and so elliot gets really drunk and realizes that he's using drinking as a like crutch um mm-hmm. as a coping mechanism so he takes up a bunch of hobbies he's in a gay bowling league with men that are way older than him he is uh costuming fully at the at the place there i think there's a book club there's carpool he's like, really into mommy blogs he's doing it He's doing the thing. Oh, Quentin, Margot, and Ted surprise him with, like, a studio. So, like, a little sewing room so he can do his stuff and have his own space at Quentin's apartment. Um, Quentin has a really rough February. And so Elliot is, like, uh, really scared of leaving him by himself and makes him go to every, all the activities with him. Uh, The vice principal of the school who also runs the community theater tells Elliot that he should audition for Fiddler because they're going to do it in the summer and he thinks that he'd be really good at it. And Elliot is kind of having this, like, moment where... He wants to, but doesn't because he's already, in his mind, he has closed that chapter in his life and doesn't want to go back to it. And then Quentin continues to have a rough patch, but spring comes and they have the first, like, really nice day of spring and Quentin has a good day and, um, you know, apologizes to Elliot and says, you know, you work so hard and I know it can't be easy, you know, what you do for our family because Elliot is basically the moving, like, he is the driving force behind the family. He has everything scheduled. He's the one who goes, picks up Ted and, like, it's it's an intricate game that, uh, Elliot is the controller of um, and Elliot realizes that while everything he does for his family is hard it also brings him pleasure because he loves them which is very sweet uh, chapter 13 Ted gets into <laughs> gets into an argument with some boys at school because they call his long hair gay and then Ted has to be like but I, it's, it's just like my dad's hair and they're like well then your dad's gay <laughs> which which like, uh, <laughs> and which then Elliot has to like have a conversation about and basically is like you know Kids are assholes. Don't pay attention to them, which is Basically. fair. 
And Margot's yeah. ready to like raise the alarm and like we're gonna go talk to everyone. We're gonna beat up some fucking six years old six year olds. Yep. So that was a really interesting moment where Elliot is like he has to choose to like we have to learn teach him how to choose his battles wisely. Right. And Margot kind of agrees, but also is like don't push his tra- don't push your trauma on him. Don't push your like weird dissociating uh, yep. mechanism your coping mechanisms on him. Um, which was really fascinating. Quentin goes into withdrawal uh, mm-hmm. because he decided to quit his antidepressants because he, in his mind they're not helping him. And he just quit cold turkey. Yep. So uh, he dropped out of the face of the planet and two of his coworkers come to Elliot's door and say, hey, have you seen him? We haven't heard from him in like a day or two. Mm-hmm. Elliot panics, goes across the hall, finds him in withdrawal. They go to the university like medical center. Uh, they talk to a doctor and the doctor's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> Don't <Yep>. do that. <laughs> That's um, bad. <laughs> yep. And so they get his prescription filled and Quentin is really uh, frustrated and d- doesn't want Elliot to help because of the aforementioned, like, I don't want to lose you type thing. But Elliot is like, you're a stupid asshole. Please let me be here for you. And so it all culminates in a conversation where, or an argument where Quentin admits that uh, he has been in a really dark place and what's really fucking him up is that he has everything he could ever want. He has His son is there. He has a, a family that he loves. He, he has a man that he loves um, and he's still not happy. Like, he still he still feels the way he does because, you know, depression and admits to Elliot that he wants to, you know, he has suicidal ideation. And Elliot's very calm and it's like, you know, that's fine. Packs him a bag and says, get in the car. We're going to go to, like, a treatment center because obviously he was already looking him up just to be ready. Mm-hmm. Um... And so he goes and drops him off there um, and is very sad about it. But it's like hopeful that Quentin's going to get like the help he needs. Then him and Margot have sex. Yep. <laughs> Which, you know, fair. And Margot has to go get a plan B because she hadn't uh, gotten her a new I- IUD, basically, because she and Elliot had not had sex in forever. Mm-hmm. And Elliot is like, well, if you wanted to have kids, I mean, we can just see if this takes. And Margot's like... You can't, you can't handle a baby. No. Baby, no. That's not what we're doing. Yep. Uh, chapter 14, final chapter. Fucking time jump, I guess, is what I wrote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're at Julia and James's wedding in June. Last yep. time, last week, last I knew we were in March, but okay. Um, Margo, March to June is not that big of a jump. They left Quentin at a fucking, like, mental rehabilitation center, and then they just expect me to immediately be okay with we're at a wedding now. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Um, Margot offers to divorce Elle so that he can uh, have, like, the quote-unquote the real thing with uh, Quentin. Uh, and Elliot is like, hey, if you're trying to get rid of me, you're going to have to try harder than that. Quentin is really uh, is really nervous because he has to make a best man toast, but nails it. Alice comes up and talks to Elliot about how hard it was to be with Quentin and all of this stuff. And basically is like, uh, you know, she's trying to impart onto Elliot, you know, I did love him, but it just got hard and all of that stuff. And Elliot is like, you know. That's who Quentin is. Yeah. But Alice does mention that there was one therapist that uh, Quentin did vibe with in New York, but that he stopped seeing because Alice hated her. Mm. And so, but she offers this as like a, you know, I hope it helps, you know, some. Uh, And later on, after the whole celebration on the parties, uh, Elliot and Quentin are at a boardwalk and they're talking about it. And Elliot asks, well, why did you like this therapist? And why did you stop seeing her? And Quentin says, well, I liked it because the way that she did things was different. She like took him on like, quests in his head and like she basically used fillery as a way to like process the trauma or like the feelings that he was having um and quentin felt that it was silly and he knew that it was like very like new age healing type thing 
But Elliot is like, that's bullshit. If it's what helped you the most, then that's what we're going to do. We're going to find something like that for you. Uh, and then they slow dance uh, on the boardwalk. And, and Elliot sings like a little bit of um, Taylor Swift's mime. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's the end of it. Elliot uh, lives in the moment and realizes that that's good enough for him, you know, because the whole fic is him being terrified of losing everything. In real- and so the end is him saying, you know, I could, yes, but there's no, it does, does me no good to dwell on that. I'm just going to enjoy it. My moment. And that was a pretty good year. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Good job, Alan. Well, (laughs) not quite. I lost steam there at the end, but... Good night, everybody. It was 150,000 words. It was 150,000 words. You did great. Thanks. So, (laughs) do you want to talk about how you feel about this fic now, or do you want to take a break, and I will talk about how I feel about this fic? I'll go into it, just because I'm already here, and I remember most of it. Perfect. Uh, I will say I had a hard time reading it. Mm-hmm. And that has nothing to do with the way it was written or with the characters or the story itself. I've been having a, co- a lot of conversations with my therapist about what it means to like have like accessibility versus availability mm-hmm. and like not having the space for certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I had the space for it. I, ah. I, I read it over basically like eight days, eight or nine days, not continuously. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I was like, I can do two chapters today, and then the trauma got too much, and I was like, that's enough for today. Because yep. that's the thing is, it is it is incredibly well-written, I will say that. Mm-hmm. Very, very well-written. The characterizations are really good. And it's all told through the perspective of Elliot, who is a character who has a lot of trauma and mm-hmm. a lot of uh, you know stuff that he's dealing with. And I don't know that I had the mental space to also make room for Elliot's mm-hmm. in my life. But I had a deadline, and so (laughs) I persevered. To me, it felt like sometimes it was too much. Like, Mm -hmm. and not in the, like, oh, I think that uh, it was, like, too much trauma. But I think because it's written so well, but it's also very lengthy. I think that some parts could have been trimmed uh, to kind of streamline the process. Um, but it also, it was it was an interesting mix of like um, slice of life and mm-hmm. like a character study because that's basically yeah. what you were reading. Mm-hmm. And if that was the goal, fucking kudos because that was intense. Yeah. And the other kind of thing that I was not able to wrap my head around, and it's something that I know is like a me thing, and I need to talk to my therapist about it because I was like, I don't know, um, is kind of the weird relationship that he has with Margot. Mm-hmm. I think that my brain just doesn't think in, like, a polyamory type way. And that's really the... This has been the fic that most um, went for that angle of Elliot and Margot's relationship. Because uh, Elliot mentions that he's had three great loves in his life. And one was uh, a really abusive asshole that he had to escape from. Uh, One was Margot. uh, And then that didn't end well because he was so into her and she was not as into him. Which was Mm -hmm. unfortunate. Uh, but they made it through. And then the third one is Quentin and all of that stuff. And so it was just like a new a new thing that I had to wrap my head around. And I was like, again, when, when I was already unlimited, like, mental space, it was, it was a challenge for me. But that being said, I thought that it obviously hit all of the marks for found family. <laughs> I, I could see it. I, I enjoyed it. I am... Excited to read stuff that does, does not have a child named Ted. <laughs> <laughs> Two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
I re- it's so interesting to hear you talk about this fan fiction because I read it as a work in progress, mm-hmm. as I did with many magicians fan fictions. Of course. And I remember talking to Caitlin about this fic because it was such a unique experience of reading. Like it was so different from other stylistic elements that, you know, other, you know, fan fiction generally sort of has like a certain sort of like directness in tone and like mm-hmm. you sometimes follow end up following stylistically in the the footsteps of the original but in, and in this case like a lot of magicians fanfic was pretty straightforward like yeah. you know but this is very stylized yeah and that and it was stylized in such a way that it like was very very unique like i had i i remember saying i've never read a fan fiction like this before and yeah it, it, it's really good but it is like it, i think i benefited from reading it as a work in progress because mm-hmm. i would sit with a chapter and like process the chapter yeah and then come to the next one when it was ready so i had time to like not have to just like consume it all in one go that makes sense i think it probably would be kind of difficult to like binge read this (laughs) um because i mean it's also dealing with like we joke around and like we got through that mostly because alan was like speed running and it was funny but like this is not a funny fic no by any stretch like it takes trauma and it takes you know mental illness very seriously and it's a really like it's a really tough pill to swallow for mm-hmm. lack of a better sort of colloquialism. Oh yeah. Um, where like there are times where it's like, it's hard and yeah. there's no getting around it. There's only through. And so the experience of reading this fic really mirrors some of that sort of like the, those moments in life where you're just like, I'm stuck with this thing in front of me that feels impossible and it feels insurmountable and like life can be hard and that and you sort of feel that with Elliot you feel it with Quentin like this yeah. frustration of coming back to a thing that you thought you handled and like you know the reality of like Quentin dealing with the pills like having side effects that he doesn't like mm-hmm. and like yeah they're good but they also are bad and like having to go back into the hospital and like being frustrated with that like it doesn't end on like this beautiful ride into the sunset where they like get married and have this grand old time it's more complicated than that and that i think there's beauty in that too but yeah it's hard to read it all at once (laughs) i wish you'd gone first (laughs) i know well i got to sort of loop us back around which is nice that's true so i mean i i really love this fic and i'm glad that evelyn recommended it because i think it's a good one to talk about (laughs) i think um this episode is now at like an hour and a half which yeah, but I mean, that, that, tracks. that tracks for three fix. Yeah. So Especially when one is 150,000 <laughs> words. Yep. And it's good. And yeah, I, I really have, I really enjoy this fic. And I think when you're thinking about found family and like, I think family, one of the things that I have said, or I don't know where I picked it up. Somebody must've said it to me in my life or something, or I, I thought of it and it's true, but mm. family is the hardest thing you'll ever do. Mm. And I think about that not just in the sense of, like, we inherit a family, right? Like, we don't really pick what family we're born into, and that's hard. Right. But also the family you build is it can be difficult. Yeah. That doesn't make it not worth it, but it can be really, really hard to build a family. And what that family looks like for everybody is different. And mm. I love that this element of found family really celebrates a profoundly unconventional family structure. <laughs> They literally, like, Margot and Elliot get married because it makes her a more viable foster mom for mm-hmm. Ted. They're, she, she's not interested in marrying Elliot. <laughs> like, that's not the deal. They love each other profoundly and deeply in the way that they do. But, like, they aren't husband and wife in the sense of, like, 
you know, happy family, like a picket fence and two and a half kids and a dog. Like, that's not what it is. And so I think that that element of the found family trope is really like there's this sort of like the friendship side of found family where it's like your family is your friends. But then there's the like the really like ugly, like gritty building a life with someone Mm -hmm. found element of this found family trope thing that is fascinating and i love that this fic isn't afraid to get ugly yup (laughs) i love that that is accurate i yeah i i think those were all incredibly good points and i i agree i had a lot of time to sit and like process while you were talking so (laughs) any element of like success (laughs) in what i just said comes from the fact that i was sitting here being like "Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep and here's what i'm gonna say (laughs) yeah i I love that. I'm, I'm glad you you spoke. <laughs> <laughs> this is a podcast. <laughs> because it helps me better under better process things, I think. Yeah. Or look at it from a different uh, way. Because I didn't not enjoy the fic. Yeah. I did not enjoy my experience with it because I think I was, I'm at a, I'm at a point where mm-hmm. it was hard for me. And I think also part of that is just where I am in my mental journey with yeah. like, my therapist and all of that stuff. Yeah. But it's really well written and it is incredibly valuable and offers a lot of really um, great facets to the fanfic world of fandom. Uh, it just probably was not, is not for me. Yeah. Or it wasn't for you right now. Or not for me right now. I think I would also have a hard time reading this now. Because mm. I am also not in my best mental health state yeah. ever. And I think that's something that can be acknowledged, even if I don't really want to talk about why. Sure. Um, but if I were coming at this now, I think I would have a much harder time like dealing with it mm-hmm. in a much a similar way because it is a lot. Yeah. I was reading it at a time where I had space for that and like processing that kind of thing was more like I had the bandwidth for it. Yeah. And also like, I think I read this more closer to, all of the season four yep. stuff when I was like real deep in the feelings on that one. And like, I am, I'm kind of trying to intentionally set that aside and like mm. really step away from like looping back on that. And that's, that. A good, and that's a good point to make. Cause I think that the sick is really good at like pointing out the trauma and mm-hmm. like, but also processing it in yeah. at, like almost in real time. So it would make sense that if it happened right after <laughs> There's a very aggressive bird. The birds. We have the windows open for ventilation purposes, and we are going to leave them open for ventilation purposes. <laughs> but if you hear burbs, that's why. <laughs> Episode one of season three of The Fick was featuring the birds. <laughs> and an abundance of Ted's. And an abundance of Ted's. Yeah. Um, and so I think that it makes sense that when you were reading it, it, it offered, like, um, it offered to process more of your feelings and what you were going through yeah but also going back to it Mm -hmm. would not be the most beneficial thing for me right now so i love this fic it's it's a lot it's a lot to chew on but it was a good fic oh it's good oh damn it's good that ending i mm. yay yay do we rate uh fan rex i don't remember we've done one I, yeah, I think last time we decided that we would both give it a rating and average it out because the other option is to agree on a rating and that's never uh-huh. going to happen. <laughs> true, 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 true. So do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I can go first, sure. Okay. Uh, I would give it a 4.3. 
out of five. I was going to give it a 4.5, so 4.4. Yeah, I feel comfortable with that. That feels good to me. (laughs) Yay. Success. Delight. Love. Wonder. (laughs) Pride. Oh, no. Damn, we we really failed. (laughs) That could have been really cool, and it wasn't. (laughs) Yay. So now what? <laughs> well, now uh, that's the end of the episode, Aaron. Uh, it might be the end of the season. We'll see if we get through another episode of this. <laughs> I'm sure we will. Um, where can people find us or interact with us, Aaron? That's a really good question that I don't fully know the answer to right now. Um, <laughs> so we are on Twitter. Twitter is, as per usual, our, the, the way to get in touch with me, Aaron, the yep. person. Correct. The other thing to check out is our Tumblr. Yes. Run by Caitlin. I love you, Caitlin. Caitlin continues to run our Tumblr better than I could ever run anything in my entire life. It is so funny. I reblog everything, basically. Yep. Everything that comes along, I'm like, oh my god, this is so great. This is so great. I have nothing to do with it. I can take no credit. Like, literally, (laughs) Caitlin just sets it up, and it's awesome. So, follow the Tumblr, not because you love me or Alan, but because you appreciate Caitlin's genius. Yay, Caitlin. Um, Yep. Also super great. Um, We have an Instagram. Will I use it? Time will tell. (laughs) Um, we have a TikTok. Will I use it? Time, Time will, will tell. tell. <laughs> uh, we don't follow us on Facebook. <laughs> Just don't. Just don't. <laughs> Pretend um, you didn't see that. <laughs> we are we are talking about opening up a Ko-Fi. Yeah. And Ko-Fi, Kofi, whatever it is. So the thought. Coffee. I don't know. The thought <laughs> being. So we talked about monetization and how complicated an issue that is when you're talking about fan fiction. Because, you know, this is a podcast about fan works and those are offered for free in the community. But it also, like, costs money to host a podcast and do things, like, not crazy amounts of money, like, not super lot, but, like, enough that it was worth us saying, okay, if if people enjoy what we do and feel so led to send us $2 yeah. to offset the cost of, you know, SoundCloud hosting or, you know, if we... I don't know, like, if we have to pay for Zoom or something, like, there's nothing wrong with that. So we are opening up a Ko-Fi. If you would like to send us a dollar or two uh, in order to offset the costs of running this podcast, we would appreciate it. Yeah. So you can find us on Ko-Fi. Um, I'm sure you can find us elsewhere, but frankly, <laughs> I don't know where that's going to be yet. So um, stay tuned. <laughs> um, if you would like to submit a fan rec, uh, the Google Doc is pinned on twitter yeah i think it is yep the google form is pinned on twitter and then you can also read along with us on a different separate google doc <laughs> which is the rec our master rec list um which has all of the links to not only this season's fix but season two and season one's fix that yep. we talked about um all sorts of stuff with all of the tags and the author and blah 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 so if you want to go back and read through everything that we've read in the entire history of this podcast you can yeah Please make sure that you're following us on Spotify or subscribed on, uh, what is it, Apple Podcasts Mm -hmm. um, or wherever it is you're listening to. are we on Am- Is Amazon Podcast a thing? I don't know. I, I, I put us down for it months ago and then forgot. We might be on Amazon Podcast. If you're listening from Amazon Someone Podcast. Someone tell us. Please tell us. <laughs> uh, please rate, review. Um, we, we just like to cast as wide a net as possible to make sure that other people get to um you know find find their family with us we're still hoping to get hale appleman on this podcast if hale appleman if you're listening to this episode hale appleman please bless first of all second of all please email us at the ficklist at <laughs> gmail.com and we'll just work around your schedule okay yeah yeah um sebastian stan if you would like to i know you're on tiktok we know you're on tiktok <laughs> if you would like to talk about fan fiction 
please let us know. Um, we would like to talk to you about Bucky. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. And, um, yep, theficklist at gmail.com. Send us an email. Yeah. But until then, we're gonna we're gonna have some other guests on this season. This our first season with secrets, guests. Secrets, secrets, secrets. Ah, people don't know about this. So make sure that you're subscribed so you don't miss out when those <gasps> guests come on. Who are they? We won't tell. <laughs> there are gonna be at least two, three, three, at least three confirmed guests this season. Yeah, and hoping for a couple more. Is it three? Might be four. I think it, it's four. Oh, it might be four now. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's at least three maybe as you can four. see we're still we're five is right out we're doing well <laughs> yeah we're on top of our shit today um there will be guests this season it will be fun listen yeah. to listen to the fic list Stay everybody. Tuned. yeah thank you for listening and we love you very much happy pride happy pride oh yeah this is the pride episode <laughs> <laughs> go celebrate it with your found family honestly though happy pride everyone goodbye bye <laughs> Okay. <laughs>